Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5 tonight. How about today? Let's just use today in all messages, if I could learn that. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 5. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that is contained in the word. Thank you for your spirit now, who is the spirit of life and the spirit of truth. He is the revealer of truth, and he shows us even things to come. And so, Lord, we look to you. Thank you for your great and mighty Holy Spirit speaking to lives, changing hearts and lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's read Hebrews 5, beginning in verse 12. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles. Everybody say first principles. principles. Say it again. Of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. For solid, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And so in the the apostles' discussion here of saying that I want to talk to you about other things, in that conversation, he lists a number of uh, particular topics that he called first principles. And so we've taken a couple weeks and we want to continue on tonight discussing first principles. Amen. Uh, Making sure that we have a launching pad to go into other areas because the Lord definitely wants to teach us more. He wants us to understand the the vast depths of his um, nature and his character and who he is. However, sometimes what we don't know prohibits us from learning more. Sometimes what we haven't gotten established in our hearts, uh, prohibits us from uh, receiving the next thing from the Lord. Do you know that uh, God cannot always say to us what he wants to say to us? When I say he can't, I don't mean he doesn't have the, uh, the ability to verbalize. But the condition of our hearts greatly determines what God will say to us. In fact, if you look back, At the verse prior to where we started, verse 11 of chapter 5, it says, Of whom we have much to say, talking about Melchizedek, and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Now now think about that. He said, it's hard to explain. You might think, well, why don't you study it out so you can explain it then? (laughs) Why don't you do your homework, therefore you can explain it to us? How many know that's basically the mindset that we typically have towards someone who is instructing or teaching us, that if they know it, then they can teach it. That that if they understand it, if the teacher understands it, then it can be properly explained. But that contradicts that. He said, this is hard to explain, not because I don't know it, not because I can't talk, I don't understand it personally, but because you are dull of hearing. I know this by way of this 
passage here and also via experience. It's amazing when you do multiple services every week of the same message, basically. We try to bring the same message three times every weekend in our schedule. It's amazing to me how different they can be. It's not always the same from service to service, and it's not always the same from week to week. And say, what do you mean by that? Sometimes it's very evident that there is a condition within the heart of the hearers that makes it very easy to communicate, very easy to explain, very easy. There's, There's unction. There's utterance. To use Bible words, that's anointing and words coming freely from the Lord. And another time, it might be the next service or it might be the third service, but all of a sudden, it's like you're talking to a wall. <laughs> or I just got to tell you, be upfront and honest with you because we all like each other. Sometimes this service has given me grief. <laughs> I thought, oh, that was hard tonight. <laughs> and then I jump in the next service and it's like, wow, wow, that was the easiest thing in the world. So what's happening there? It's not my understanding of the topic, because I'm doing the same thing multiple times, but it is the condition of the hearer. See, there are multiple components to any given service, and that's what God wants to say. It is whoever's speaking, in my case me, if I have done my part to study and pray and, and get ready. But then the other component is who's there. And how many of sometimes you can be there but not there? I think we've all been we've all been there personally. We were there, but we weren't really there. Huh. Sometimes we come and and we're there physically, and and you know we got the look, and we're yeah yeah yeah, but inside we're totally somewhere else. That's very hard to minister to. It's it's the reason uh, many of you come on our Wednesday night believers meetings that on times when when those services turn into teaching times, I tell you it is the easiest thing in the world. I, I'll preach. I'll sometimes teach the word for an hour. With, without notes, with no la- and I'm not a gift of the gab type of person like some people. <laughs> you know how some people, some- <laughs> it's a gift, it's a gift, I don't have it. <laughs> you know how some people can, you know, just talk to anybody at anywhere, anytime, and they have a lot to say. Uh, sometimes, it, maybe some of you are like me, but you meet someone new, and then after a few minutes, you're just kind of looking at each other. <laughs> it's not like you don't like them, you just don't know what else to say to them. <laughs> And so for me to be able to uh, to do that and, and go off and, and teach and stuff with just a greatest of ease without relying upon anything, that's supernatural. It, it really is. But I'm telling you, uh, in those meetings, it's because people come with a hunger. They come with an expectancy. And that helps any service, whether it's a believer's meeting or just a regular service like this. When you come with an expectancy, trust me, it changes the atmosphere. It absolutely changes what I'm what I'm able to minister and and to bring because the call on me doesn't change from week to week. Really, the anointing doesn't change that much from week to week, except for the atmosphere in the building that can very much change. I mean, when we get after it and we're worshiping God from the inside, man, that helps. Oh, it helps so much. I'm telling you, I'm kind of kind of going off right here, but that's what we're talking about. Uh, but when the majority of us do, are doing business with God uh-huh. in our worship, in our receiving the word, you know it's more influential on the person who's not right with God yes. because yes. the atmosphere changes in here. Yeah. And what happens when, when 
then it's not just a mental argument to try to convince someone to give their life to the Lord. It's like, yeah, that makes sense, but also, man, something inside of me is just like, I know this is right. I don't know if you've ever had people tell you. I've had people tell me that before, where I'm sharing the gospel with them, and it's not that they understand everything fully right up here, but they say, I, I, man, I know this is right. Sometimes I've, I've used this before. I said, while I'm talking to you, you can tell something's going on right on the inside of you, can't you? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> Explain that. Well, you can't explain that. That's not an explainable thing. I mean, we do use explanation and do, you use logical processes in our presentation, but there is something very real about the presence of God and a, and a presence that will manifest when people are hungry for Him. Amen. Amen. And, so, and so this is something we should all be aware of, that, that this is um, continually the case. And in our services, if we want to go higher, if we want more, if we want the Lord to speak to us, if we want Him to show us stuff, we've got to get what's necessary to get us there. We've got to have the, have the first principles in place. We've got to understand, and we've got to come with hearts that are not dull. Amen. He said, I can't explain it to you because you are dull of hearing. Let's be sharp tonight Amen. and every time. Sharp of hearing. Amen. Now, uh, we, we were sharing with you about uh, repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And you recall that that's almost really one motion, how we repent. In other words, it's a change of mind. We're leaving the mindset and the activity and lifestyle of dead works. And we turn, you know, repentance kind of gives us a picture of a 180. We turn and now we've put our faith in God. I'm no longer putting my faith in dead works. I'm no longer trusting in those things. Now I've shifted and I've put my trust in the Lord. Concerning all things. But whenever we talk about faith toward God, I understand uh, that this is so vitally important for the believer's life. And if someone endeavors to go on into greater things and to do more and understand more without faith toward God established as a first principle or as a launching pad for everything else, it really gets, things really get messed up. They really do. I mean, I know this from a, from, a, from a leadership standpoint, that if I don't operate in faith, I will treat people much different. It's, it's not only the thing that got me saved, that got you saved, for by grace are we saved through faith. But it is really the foundation for how we are to treat each other. It's how we are to walk with God. It, 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 it's It's everything. All right. You talk about having a good marriage. You can't have a good marriage without faith. You can't because faith goes contrary to what you feel. Faith, or let me say it this way. Faith is not dependent upon physical things, feelings, and sight. But it is dependent on a word. And how many know if a, in a relationship, sometimes people do things that don't make you feel good. So what do you do? You love them by faith. Right? If they don't look lovable at the moment. How are you going to obey the Bible and walk in love? Well, by faith. It's the only way to do it. And, uh, and in, in walking with God, I mean, uh, like I started to say, even in ministry, treating people uh, a different way. Like, for example, we're getting ready to, um, uh, to expand and build and, and do all this stuff, and we've been preparing for that for a while. Uh, I know this, that if I didn't have faith, 
I would pressure people to give. I've seen people do that. I've been, I've been, I've been in those meetings where people try to just emotionally grab people and, and make it all about sacrifice and, 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 you know, that kind of thing. When it's obvious their faith is not in God for that, their faith is in their ability to manipulate and make people feel something for the project. And that's a big difference. But once you understand that we operate by faith in God, you won't pressure people. For those, for those who, are, uh, who sell things, some of you probably sell things. Uh, you know, everything from soap to cars to real estate to <laughs> computer, whatever. You know, so much of our economy is based upon selling something. Uh, when you understand that you've turned from dead works and you have faith toward God now, you don't have to twist people's arm to buy things. Because concerning everything in your life, you have put your confidence in the Lord. And He's going to bring buyers. He's going to bring sales. He's going to do this. And if you really do trust people, then you don't have to twist arms. You don't have to put high pressure on people. And you could probably think of other areas. But uh, operating faith toward God, again, I believe it's foundational. And when we skip over that, we we just act like the world even though we're saved. We, we, treat, we, we, we treat life differently than, than what God intended for us. Now, um, again, the word faith, the Greek word means a conviction of truth. It is an assurance. It's a guarantee. It's a firm persuasion. And we have all got to, we, we, it's necessary that we are able to identify what we are persuaded of. What are you convinced of concerning the Lord and what he has said? And... Uh, and if you can't quickly or readily identify things, become convinced. Find truth in the Word of God and convince yourself. When I say convince yourself, allow your heart to be established in that truth to where it becomes a normal way of thinking. It doesn't happen by accident. It only happens on purpose because if I don't instruct my heart to believe a certain way, it will operate by sight. Okay, I'll be a sight-led person. And I'm either walking by faith or I'm walking by my circumstances. Not both. All right? And, and so, many, so many people, again, Christians I'm talking about, have skipped some of these principles. And so they're making this, all their decisions are based upon circumstantial stuff. If a door opens, if it doesn't open. If I have an opportunity, if I don't. And it's all natural-based. Because it's the only way they learn, they, they know to live, is if I can see it, if I can feel it, you know, if it's in the sense realm, then I can relate to it. But how many know walking with the Lord does not work that way? Our salvation came not by a feeling, not by a seeing, but by a believing in something that God said probably through another person, well, always through another person, you know, uh, the Lord can speak to us directly, but through someone else sharing the gospel with us, we believe what we heard, we put our faith in the Lord, and the most incredible miracle took place. We were born again. It's a powerful thing. But that is how we relate to God in everything. You all remember Hebrews eleven six says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
Amen. To please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so if it's impossible to please God without faith, in what arena of life is that? I believe that's in all arenas of life. It is definitely concerning my salvation first and foremost. I've turned and I've turned to him. But now as I pray, now as I give, now as I, as I work, now as I relate to others, there should be a faith uh, faith should be the driving force. I'm not limited now in my life to what I see and feel. Okay, this is what pleases God. So, so, so can you see that if we don't have some of those things established, how can we go any further with the Lord? He's not even happy about us. <laughs> but I, what do I mean by that? If we're just living a sight-led life. He's not even pleased with that. He, he, he's, not ple- he's not pleased if I look back at the other, sur- if I'm just pressuring people. He's not pleased with that. He's not pleased if I take a negative report and make it the final word. You know, if I get attacked in my body and I get a negative report and I make that the word that governs my life for the rest of my days, how does that please God? See, that doesn't please God. But if I'll take his word and make that the final authority, Amen. and now he's laughing. Why? Because I'm acting like him. Yes. You know, parents have this thing when they see their kids act like them, you know, of course, in a good way. <laughs> uh, you know, it brings delight that you see that they learned something from you, yes. something that you wanted them to learn. And when we start looking in the face of, of problems when we start looking in the face of impossibility and say, we're going over, yeah. we're going through. We are going to accomplish much. I know that puts a smile in the, in the face of God. Amen. Scripturally speaking, he's pleased with that. Amen. Amen. You know, quite the contrary is also true. When, when, uh, when Jesus had situations, because in their days they would often travel by boat from one part of the land to another. They'd go across the sea. And so uh, uh, sometimes, how many know there's storms on seas and oceans, and, and they, a couple of those are recorded for us when there was a, a great storm, and Jesus actually uh, dealt by, he lived by faith, and the disciples freaked out, and Jesus spoke to the storm, took authority over it, and it, and it, and it was calm, and he was not pleased, and that, I believe that bears the heart of the Father, he was not pleased with them for freaking out. Saying, we're going to die. Saying, why don't, don't you care for us? We're going to die. He wasn't happy about that. He wasn't like, oh, I understand. I mean, this is a big storm. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I mean it would seem, people might look at him and think, man, how in, he's just not very kind all the time. I believe the Lord expects us to get these uh, uh, first principles established. Yes. Yes. To, to where no matter what happens in life, no matter what comes our way, we take, his, take him at his word. Amen. And we say, no, I will not fear. I'm not going to panic here. I'm not going to freak out and say, what am I going to do? I'm going to believe God. Yes. I'm going to see his hand come through for me. Amen. That pleases him. And it gets results. Absolutely gets results. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4. You see, the life of faith toward God is one that's not controlled by the physical world, but, but by the Word of God. 
It sees all things as subject to what he says. And 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Notice that language. We look at things that are not seen. You look at what you can't see. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And, and, and so we know this, that if there's a, a something seen in my life or something that's in the circumstances world, the physical world, I know that it's subject to change. It's not permanent. But the Word of God that I can't see, the promises of God that I can't see in the physical realm, those are unchanging. So basically what he's saying, you use what can't change to change what can change. That's, that, that's the nature of what we do in life. As, as, as Christians, we change the natural world with the spiritual world. By the power of God, we see all things. I don't care if it's a disease in the body or a financial lack or an emotional trouble or, or whatever it is. We see it as all changeable. That's why we can have hope in the midst of any situation. What do I mean hope? An expectation for things to get better. While people in the world have no hope, they throw up their hands, what are we going to do? We should be, even if we don't know the answer, don't know all the details, look at anything, anything that you face that's a negative, that's coming against you, that it's contrary to the nature and character of God, and say, it's going to change. You get the worst report of your life, say, okay, but that's not, that's not final word here. Don't submit yourself to the junk of this world, to the lies of the enemy, or even the physical things that you see. Make the Word of God final authority. Make His Word, give it that place in your life. And it'll change everything. Come on now. We don't need to be fleshly, flesh, fleshy livers. That sounds strange, doesn't it? <laughs> we don't just need to be subject to the to physical world. You're a spirit being, born of a spirit God. Amen. And we can live by faith. You don't need to turn there, but Acts 27 and verse 25 is one of my favorites along these lines. It's when Paul was in the midst of uh, trouble. He on that shipwreck, and they were taking him to Rome. The shipwreck, there was a great storm. He said, therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. I believe God. See, this should be common language with us. I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. No matter what we face in life, especially, you know, we're talking about oftentimes when things are not going like we want them to go. What do you say? How about this? I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. I believe that exactly what God said is what I'm going to get. That what I see now, what I feel now, is not permanent. But I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Now, I've explained this in greater detail in, a, in another series I did. You can listen online called Living by Faith. But how many know the difference here? What we need to understand is it's not just I believe in God or just I believe that God exists. Many people say, I have faith in God. 
But I always like to say, you have faith in God what? Because that's too generic. It's, it's not specific enough. That's where, why Paul said, I believe God that it shall be. In other words, my faith in God says things are going to change. Not just I believe he's out there. Hey, God. I believe God that it shall be. What? My life. My circumstance. I believe that it shall be. I believe that things are changing. I believe that God is intervening in my life. Well, how? Exactly according to what He said. And what that means is, if I don't know what He said, I can't live by faith. I can't have faith toward God if I don't know what God says or what His character and nature is. It's this Faith does not live in the context of ignorance. And I'm not talking ignorance of natural things, ignorance of spiritual things. You don't you can be someone who has PhDs coming out your ear and be ignorant of God. You can be someone who has no education at all and be very knowledgeable of God. That's not to diminish or say anything about natural education. It it says this, that if I don't know what God has said, I can't live by faith. And only to the degree that I have a revelation, I have knowledge of what He wants to do, am I able to trust Him. Am I able to say, it's going to be alright. It's going to be good. Why? Why are you so happy? Because God has said something. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a promise. I'm talking about a word. I'm talking about i got a Bible full of words from God. And anything else He needs to say that's tailor-made to my life, He'll tell me right in the, on the inside. That still small voice. Amen. He'll let me know. And I believe God that it shall be, even as it was told me. I don't know about you, but I can get stirred up about that for a while. Man, man, what God has said, that's what matters. And so we don't want to reduce faith just down to a believing prayer. It is, it's, it's, it's living by the Word of God. It's doing what God told you to do. That's a faith, a faith person. That's someone who put their faith in the Lord. They're doing something that God has said. Don't just do stuff. I mean, don't just do anything as long as we're doing something. No, do what the Lord has said. Act on the Word. Do it, with, do it for a reason. Do it with expectancy. You know, some of the main areas I, I think are essential for all of us to be established in concerning the, the life of faith. And this faith toward God. It's just real simple. I need to be very assured. I need to have a conviction based a conviction of truth concerning my salvation. That's the very beginning. I mean, it's, it's amazing though. But there are Christians, and you might be one of them. Don't be condemned for this. Just grow out of it. There are people that have been saved for years. Many, many years. And yet continually feel like they're not right with God. They continually, I mean, we've had this in our, I've had this in our services. I have other pastor friends who tell me the same thing, that certain people get saved all the time. Now, we know the reality of it is they don't, because you can't be born again again. But why are there always individuals around in churches that are, they feel like they need to get saved 
multiple times. They're always needing to get right with God. Well, that's an absence of having faith in that area. It's, it's an absence of having assurance in that area. Sometimes it's because they're in sin and they're feeling guilty because they're living wrong and they need to, you know, get victory over that. But either way, if you've been born again, you've been born again. And so salvation is very simple. Uh, our health is something we should all be established in. Because how many know if your body's not working, you're not doing anything? <laughs> and, and when your body uh, is broken down, your body is worn out, you're not going to do anything for the Lord. If it breaks down enough, you're out of here. How many think it's important that we understand what God has promised us concerning the physical body, longevity of life, and health and strength? Amen. Oh, it's vitally important. But how many Christians are ignorant of that? So many. Just ignorant of that area. Therefore, they can't. doesn't mean they don't have faith in God concerning other things. They don't have faith in God for that. And I found this, because we've been doing this a little while, but we have somewhat of an emphasis around here. In other words, we provide opportunities for people to get healed and to get strengthened and to minister to others. But still, even in our environment, where we teach on it pretty frequently, where we minister quite regularly, a lot of people are not established in that truth because it runs contrary to what we see and feel. And the flesh does not like to live by faith. It does not. It's just, give me a pill. Give me a, <laughs> you know, give me something. In other words, no, I don't, it's not necessarily evil, but it wants something in the physical realm to relate to. Give me something physical. And I can't see by his stripes I'm healed. I have to accept it, and I have to be established in that for it to operate in my physical body. But it's worth any effort it takes. Any laboring to get established in that truth is worth it because we have a physical body like for a while. <laughs> as long as you're here. And, and it'll remind you that it's there sometimes. <laughs> hey, don't forget about me. I, I think we, we, need to, we need to be established in, in provision. We should be establishing what God has said for our provision. Because how many know, even if you're, uh, you're saved, you know that you are, and you know your, your body's doing well, you're healthy. If you're broke, you still can't do anything. Because this world takes, it takes money. We need to have faith in, in God's provision, uh, in abundance. It takes abundance to get things done. Whether you're just talking about living life, <laughs> taking care of your family, or the most important things that the kingdom of God be advanced. And uh, determine in your heart that I, you, if you're not there... Determine that you're going to get established on the inside. What do I mean? You are very confident and assured of God's ability to supply your needs. Where you don't worry about, oh, it's got, no, you can get established. You can get settled. And then that's not an issue. How many understand that prosperity is not a condition of your checkbook? And your bank account. It's really not. Sometimes people, if someone has a lot of money, that's prosperity. It's not really exactly. Prosperity is a condition of the heart. And when I get established in that, then it manifests in, in other ways. But that's, that's basically where, where that starts. So uh, that's important. I think another one, I'm giving you five here, five important areas. Uh, the fourth one is protection. Protection. I think we should all be established in what God has said concerning our protection. I'm talking about freedom from accidents, freedom from terrorism, freedom from uh, 
bird flu and <laughs> whatever's going around. I know that's kind of in the health area too, but uh, just that God will protect me. I don't have to live in fear. Some people won't fly on airplanes because they're afraid that their airplane's going to go down. Well, that's fear. That's fear. That's not faith in God, and that, and that can change. It limits life when people, when people live that way. The Lord will protect you. Amen. He'll protect you in Boise. He'll protect you in, uh, in uh, wherever that's at. Azerbaijan. <laughs> uh, or one of those other, wherever you go in the world, in, in the will of God, the Lord will protect you. Amen. Uh, production. Number five, production. We should be established and know that God um, wants us to be effective in reaching people with the gospel. In other words, uh, my, my faith is not just things keeping me good. My faith is that God will use me. I have put my trust in Him that if I share with someone, that He'll use me in that. That I'll be able to help others get victory in their life and, 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 and receive the Lord. And so, if you look at all these things from the devil's perspective, that's where he wants to attack. It's absolutely where he wants to attack you and keep, you, keep us weak. Keep us out of just the very basics of simply having faith toward God. Now... Um, I like to do things this way. Let me, let, me, let me start trying to wrap some of these things up. But we can counter our circumstances with a word from God. In fact, we ought to. Whenever our circumstances are saying something, and I say saying in a figurative way, how many know things will talk, uh, you can counter it with the word from God. In other words... My body is saying whatever it's saying. But God says. See, I can talk back. See, my, uh, my, my bank account says, or my pile of bills says, and it's saying, it's talking to you. Well, but God says. In other words, don't just sit around and listen to that. Listen to that negative voice. Coming at you again. Speak up. And say, but God says. You know, if you, if you got a, a, a medical report that was negative. Okay, that's what that's saying. But what is God saying? That's the final word on the subject, not that. You know, maybe you have people around you that are unbelieving and full of doubt. And they're saying something. But what does God say? I don't have to accept whatever voices I hear, whatever sounds are coming my way, but I have an answer, a response. But God says. I, I like that, that phrase, but God. Yeah, yeah. Now, now sometimes people flip that around. And, and someone will share with them, oh, the Lord has promised you this. The Word of God says this. And they'll say, yeah, but. And then explain why it's not going to work. Explain the severity of the circumstance. Yeah, but what they've already tried before. Yeah, but... And they've got their butt in the wrong place. We need to flip that around. And when we hear something negative, we see something that's wrong, we see something that's not working, we say, yeah, but God. And, and I found... There's actually 
a number of scriptures, and I picked out a few of them to share with you. You don't need to turn to these, but look, Psalm 73, verse 26, my flesh and my heart fail. That's bad news. But notice that's not the end of the sentence. If you have to say something like this, don't put a period there. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. If you have to say, man, I'm in trouble, I've lost this, or this is going straight, always add, but God. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You know, in Acts 13, it it speaks about, uh, talking about Jesus and how, uh, and how Pilate, um, they asked Pilate to put him to death and they did that and they took him, uh, down from the tree and they laid him in a tomb. But I like verse 30. It says, but God raised him from the dead. I mean, the end of that story, if you, if you leave this off, it's bad news. I mean, they killed him. They put him in the tomb. The end. <laughs> and that's a bad story. It's like that author that writes, Amy, what's that author that writes all those books and they all, they all end bad? Some movies out there. If you ever know, there's a certain author who, if he wrote the story, it's a bad ending. It's like, why would you even do that to us? What? Nicholas Sparks. Anyway. He doesn't know about verse 30. He would just end. They put him in the tomb. And there here comes the credits. Oh, too bad. But God never ends that way. Never ends that. But God raised him from the dead. Philippians 2, verse 27, speaking about a guy, says, For indeed he was sick almost unto death. The end. No, no, no. But God. But God had mercy on him. But God had mercy on him. (laughs) Maybe that's you, man. I've been falling, man. I've been struggling. I've been tempted i've been doing wrong stuff but god had mercy on me he you know he does you know he's faithful to do that don't end the story without the lord getting involved ephesians 4 talk or ephesians 2 talks about how we were dead in our trespasses and sins but verse 4 says but god who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. And goes on to say good things. And, and so that's always got to follow any negative report. But God. You know, in 1 Corinthians 10, in verse 13, it, it reads, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. What's the next part? But God. But God. Man, it's hard. Man, it's a big temptation. I know, but God. But God is faithful. But God is faithful. Every time He's coming through. Here's another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 9. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. And bummer, we're left in ignorance. Man, we just can't see it, can't hear it, can't understand it. 
Thank God there's another verse. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. He has not left us without comfort, left us without understanding, not left us alone and in despair. He will always, has always been, and will always be there if we will acknowledge Him, if we will turn from this dead work, these dead works, turn from this junk in the fleshly way of living, and put our faith, not just have our faith present, but toward God. What do I mean? I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. I grab onto, latch onto, hold on to that thing as tight as I can like the guy riding the bull. <laughs> you know, they, they wrap up their hands and tie them onto that, that horn there. Why? Because they don't want to get bucked off. They latch onto that thing hard like a... Never mind. <laughs> Just not letting go. Amen. What are we doing with what God has said? What are we doing with the Word of God? The faith life is believing and doing the Word of God. To cut off a supply of God's Word in your life is to cut off and starve your faith. And the very basics of what God wants to do get limited if we skip over these simple but powerful truths of having faith toward God. Amen? And I, if I cut that supply off, I'll either not know what God has said or I'll just be weak in my assurance of that. Let's keep feeding it. What do you say? Amen. Amen. Father, we're just so thankful today for your precious Holy Spirit, for the Word of God that is life, that is strength, that is health to us all of our days. Lord, thank you for enlightening our minds so we can direct our faith toward you. Not faith in this world, not faith in the, in, the, in the struggles or challenges, not faith in the attacks, but faith in what you have said. And no matter what we deal with in life, I thank you. The problem is not the end of the sentence, but you are always faithful, faithful to come through for us, providing us a way out, giving us a way of escape, leading us into victory and triumph. Thanks be unto God, who always causes us to triumph. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You always cause us to triumph. We're never going down. We're never going under. But we will rise and we will overcome. Thank you for being with us today. <laughs> Thank you for what you have promised us. We value your promises. And we bank our lives upon them. Thank you for your faithfulness tonight, Lord. We love you. We worship you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord wants to take us up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for working in us now. Thank you, Lord, for working in us now. Thank you, Lord, for working in us. We're working in us now. Say it with me. I'm going up. I'm not going down. I'm moving forward. Never turning back. For the Lord is my supply. The Lord is my source. The Lord supplies my every need. I will not fear. I will not back down. 
But I will go forth by the power of God, with the provision of God, with His strength, with His ability. And I will overcome, and He will get the glory. I will shine bright, and He will be praised. Through my life, He will be shown in every victory. I'll make His name known. For He is with me. And that will never change. His Word is true. His Word is right. And upon that, I will base my life. Thank You, Lord. Thank You.